0: menu stories a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love starting with san francisco i'm your host rebecca goberstein today we meet owners umberto gibin and chef stefan terrier the duo behind the italian upscale sister restaurants Perbacco and barbaco both of which have received accolades from the likes of michelin and san francisco's top restaurant critic michael bauer despite the success Especially as Purbaco celebrates its 10th year, Gibin, who's from Italy, and Terrier, who grew up in Sweden, were looking for a new challenge. They found that with Volta, which means a change in direction. Volta is a large, grandiose brasserie that serves Swedish and French plates. The interior is sleek and modern, but the welcoming atmosphere is the same as what you'll find at Purbaco and Barbaco, an ambiance that Gibin carefully crafts.
1: Our job is to make people happy. And that's an incredible challenge because there's no recipe for happiness. Just goods will not, and surroundings will not do that. So I think it's Umberto's constant worry about making people happy that makes us successful.
2: What made us successful are the people coming through the door at the end. And without them, we would be nothing. It doesn't really matter if you have a beautiful restaurant, as Stefan says. If you don't take care, if they don't feel that they've been taken care of, they go someplace else. Let's have a listen.
0: So we are here at Volta today with co-owners Umberto Gibin and Chef Stefan Terrier. Thank you for joining us. Let's start with Perbaco and Barbaco, your first kind of set of restaurants that you opened together. In your own words, can you tell me about those restaurants and what those restaurants are?
1: Perbacco came first and, and uh, it's... You know, a very modern, elegant restaurant. We focused on the cuisine of Piedmont, and that that has been a big passion of mine as well. Uh, having you know, had my upbringing in French cuisine, and with uh, Piedmont being so close to to the French border, there there's there's a lot of influence. I almost debate if, if French cuisine is influenced by Piedmontese cuisine or the other way around, but I actually say the former. Uh, I see a lot of uh, dishes in history that have translated into to the Eastern French cuisine and, and so on. So I think, you know, starting Per Baco, we're both uh, very, very passionate about, you know, the style that we wanted to bring forward
2: as uh, for Barbaco uh, when the location next door virtually next door uh, became available it used to be a deli um, we've always we've been talking uh, about opening a more casual uh, restaurant because at Barbaco uh, the clientele is a little more upscale um, lunchtime we have a lot of uh, uh, captain of industries and uh, the bosses and, and so on we said well Let's see if, and it was also during the, the beginning of the recession when we, we thought of that. Um, we said, well, when not we open a place that can actually accommodate the people eventually, the make reservation for uh, this, the, 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 the big chiefs. And because also the, the space was much smaller and so on. And uh, when we took a little trip uh, to Italy for our review and we, we went into a, a restaurant in uh, the ligurian coast and we found fantastic place casual with communal tables uh, food exceptionally good and we remember we had a lunch for four for 70 euros which normally would be a lunch for one I- anywhere else and we said this is actually what we want to bring now the, the cuisine is different was different everything was cooked in a good burning oven we didn't have that but we thought the idea was was really good and uh, indeed we came back um, we designed, uh, actually, with the help of CAS, we designed the restaurant w- in, in that um, fashion uh, affordable, fast, and comfortable. And at that time, we actually we had five communal tables, which since then we removed because we found out that the financial district is not very fond of uh, communal tables. Uh, but the restaurant has been a success um, since, since the day we opened. We have to tweak here and there a couple of things, but th- they are the two restaurants complement each other very well, and uh, we share actually we share a lot of the, the same clientele. When there is not an important meeting, and they want a little more casual affair. They come to to Barbaco and vice versa. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, as as a footnote, uh, I, I always remind Umberto about this. But when we did put out our business plan for Barbaco, the, the last sentence was Barbaco, the deli next door, and he looked at me and laughed. And he's like, what's this? And I I said, no, we're going to take over the place next door. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, (laughs) But I proved them wrong.
0: How did you two meet and how did you begin working together?
1: Well, the first time we met, I have more of a memory of it than Umberto. uh, But I was working down in Orange County uh, at a restaurant uh, in Irvine. And uh, one day uh, they said that this new restaurant, Prego, was opening up hundred yards away from us and decided to go over and uh, try it out since it was our competition and Umberto was there and uh, we were introduced uh, and uh, that was when you were the director of operation for the Spectrum Group so that was the first time we met and that was like in 1985 Uh, and since then our paths have crossed uh, Uh, I moved up north, Umberto moved up north, or you were already living up here, I think. And, and, uh, you know, we've met at various points, but we never worked together in a restaurant until we opened Per We worked in the same company in the Kempton Group, uh, but Umberto was... uh, in charge of other restaurants uh... i w- was not directly under his supervision and uh, but he and the, his wife leslie would come in for lunch from time to time at my restaurant uh... because i think he felt that then he could actually relax <laughs> and not if he was in one of his own restaurants he would be looking at everything mm-hmm. and the, you know not enjoy his lunch so <laughs> uh... and then we were part of opening teams uh... to open new properties and uh... working together in that way we both saw you know how you know we kind of fit together we both have the same mindset uh... both being european having, you know grown up in the restaurant industry old-school style you know the, the there, there was a lot of similarities and and a lot of uh, mutual respect. I think.
2: Indeed, uh, I left uh, Kimpton in two thousand and four um, with the idea of uh, already thinking about opening a restaurant. Didn't know exactly what yet, but uh, I had um, something in my mind. And at that time, I joined um, my dear friend and mentor. Uh, Larry Mindell, which I worked previously with at uh, Spectrum Foods and uh, Neil Fornaio, um, he had just opened his new restaurant, Poggio in Sosalito, he needed some help at the front of the house because the service was pathetic, I mean, and uh, I needed a place to stay while thinking about the place. Um, when the, the idea is to, say to open the restaurant, so what, who do I choose, who do I want to work with as a chef? And one name came to mind immediately. I had no other thoughts. Really it was uh, Stefan. So I picked up the phone and I and I called him. And I said, Would you like to open a restaurant? sure, why not? Well, I said, okay, we'll we we'll stay in touch. Three months later I haven't heard from him, you know, and so on. So then I picked up the phone again I said, Are you still at the idea? Say, sure. And uh, we met, we talked a little bit. We actually we met at the Camton place. Uh, at the bar, because it was closer to where he was working at that time, and I I didn't have much to do it. And we started talking, and kind of ideas of the concept, uh, cuisine, and so on, and Perbacco was born uh, right there, pretty much. And the reason why I wouldn't have worked with uh, anybody else, and i always told him, besides, of course, that he's uh, he's a great, uh, great chef. uh, uh, knows how to treat the ingredients, as the utmost respect for the ingredients, is knowledgeable in every single uh, uh, aspect of, of the cuisine or anything that he takes on, um, but he also has the rare um, ability of controlling costs, which chefs sometimes... they they are not really focused on that. So altogether was a combination, again, as Stefan said. We had worked together but never at the same place. So we had really mutual respect also because of the high standard.
1: And also, for for me to work with somebody like Umberto, when when you're a chef, uh, a lot of chef-driven restaurants tend to, there tend to be a disconnect between their, front of the house partner and it might even be a hired hand by the chef. You, you never see that real partnership. I know uh, for a fact that you know whatever goes on in the dining room you know will be done correctly and I th- think Humberto feels the same way about the kitchen that we you know we're not running around constantly checking up on each other. Of course we will point out things that need to be improved upon and and corrected At any time but but it's never a relationship where uh, you know one of us would get spread too thin we we both know what we're doing and uh, we both respect each other for that and I think that has been one of the biggest pluses in our relationship as restaurateurs that we can divide and conquer and and, uh, I think that's why we've been very successful.
0: I never even really thought about that, but um, I could see how trust is a really important part in the handoff from the back of the house to the front of the house because if something isn't presented right or delivered right, that probably ruins the experience of the diner. I never really thought about that. That seems pretty obvious, but <laughs>
1: no, I, I think it's probably one of the most important part in in restaurant business that that you do have these partnerships. That, that there's a, an equal emphasis on the respect for both areas. You know, you don't want to put a division in between, and uh, and one cannot survive without the other. Right. And,
2: uh, Too often you see this happening in the restaurants where the chef. Is command and then the front of the house it is nothing uh, but if as you said earlier uh, if uh, the ambassador up front don't do a good job the food efforts are all lost Will never taste as good yeah. so it doesn't matter
0: yeah obviously um, neither of you are obviously from san francisco so <laughs> can you share where you are both from and what brought you out to california and san francisco in particular
1: well, I, I came to the United States in 1982, moved to with a friend that I worked with in uh, Sweden, moved to Florida, lived uh, in Florida for three years. Uh, my friend had at that point moved out here to California, Southern California, he called me up and said, you know, th- this is the land of opportunity out here. I got in my car, drove across country, big adventure, <laughs> and uh, spent about a year and a half in Southern California and then I was actually on my way up to Seattle. Being Swedish, uh, Seattle was really speaking to me, you know, and every time I go up there, I feel like I'm in Sweden somewhere, so this was really cool. Maybe a little bit of homesickness, but ended up uh, taking a job in Napa Valley and uh, lived there for many years and ended up here in San Francisco, lived here for a long time and, uh, you know, I guess the rest is
2: history, you know. So, <laughs> um, although I was born in Venice, I actually I grew up in Torino. I was uh, six years old when the family moved from Venice to Torino because of the economic boom that was happening in that side. So, uh, grew up in the city, and I had the, the fortune also of uh, taking trips down to the, the wine country, which is not that it's almost the same distance from here, San Francisco to Napa Valley, the mm-hmm. famous Lang. Uh, where I had to sample some of the great cuisine at the young, uh, at the young age, a fantastic salami and 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 on and on and on. But uh, what made me to come here to San Francisco after the army in Italy, you have to go, uh, you have to spend a, at least then uh, a year in the army. I was broke and I had no no and uh, and I wanted to work on board of a ship because. Uh, it was adventurous. It was a good way of making money and meeting girls, I heard, so that <laughs> was an incentive. Um, and all of that actually happened. After three years, I got tired, not two and a half years I got tired of it, and uh, uh, since I had taken a cruise off in San Francisco in, during, uh, it was in November, uh, it was beautiful, misty, and it was very romantic and so on, So okay, let's take a look at San Francisco with, uh, with a friend. He stayed in, actually in Los Angeles. I came up here. My first job was at Ernie's, um, Venerable Ernie's, which is now, of course, a long time closed. Uh, and I, I just went, I left San Francisco briefly for, actually for about four years, from 1982 to uh, 1986, early 87. I went to Los Angeles. That's where we, we met uh, and so on. And then I came back with a uh, wife and child. And here I am.
0: This is Rebecca Goberstein, and you're listening to Menu Stories, a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. We'll be right back with Umberto Jubin and Chef Stefan Terrier of Volta, Probaco, and Barbaco. We're actually sitting in Volta, your new restaurant, so congratulations on opening this. Thank you. It sounds like the menu and style here is very different from Perbacco and barbacco. So what um, what caused you to make that shift away from the Italian food and the Italian style that you both are obviously so um, entrenched in? And what, what where did the concept for this come about?
1: I think that going out to eat with Umberto and when we travel together, we always, we of course go to Italian restaurants when we're in Italy or we travel to New York, you always uh,
0: it's a must. check out
1: <laughs> new places and what they're doing in, on the other side of the world and so on. But we still go to other types of places, and we, we always talk about how we enjoy brasseries. And then a couple of years ago, I talked Umberto into uh, coming with me to Sweden, and we spent a week in Stockholm right around 4th of July, so everything kind of slows down in San Francisco it was it was a great opportunity for us and uh, he had never been there to show him you know where I was from I I've, I've been to Italy many times and uh, we both traveled there many times so uh, it was time for him to to see a little bit of my background and uh, and we had talked and, and got to show him the style of restaurants that I grew up cooking in and eating in and I think Humberto was uh, quite uh, surprised what was offered, and uh, we'd already talked about. Always loved the the style. Larger restaurants with a good, you know, atmosphere and energy, like a brasserie. And the idea came about to bring that sort of style, San Francisco. You know, we wanted to be a San Francisco-style brasserie in. You know 2016 modern and but still have that that soul of, a, of a, a restaurant the food of course there's there's a good amount of Swedish dishes that I've taken back with me here and uh, you know reworked for what we feel represents today and and but also my upbringing in French cooking you know it's something that I've 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 missed, you know, cooking Italian, which I love, is incredible. But, you know, there, there's days where I kind of have to slap my hand and say, I can't do this dish or I can't do that dish because you always have to stay true to your, to your focus and your ideas about what the restaurant is. So I can't do French dishes at Perbacco because it wouldn't fit. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have a longing to cook. I, I think every chef has these longings to cook other cuisine and uh, you see that happen in some restaurants where they go on a trip and they come back full of ideas but they really don't fit so so you really have to uh, restrain yourself and and when this opportunity came about uh, I think it really gave me a you know a a different outlet for my ideas and to to be able to present something different that I think uh, was missing in, in San Francisco.
2: We, d- we can't take credit for the name because uh, we one of our patrons at Barbaco is in the business of branding and uh, uh, designing uh, uh, logos and, uh, and so on. And he said, um, I'd be very happy to help you if you really wanted to. So we told the story how we came about the concept and what we mean. Kind of a change in directions uh, somehow. And Volta came about. That was the name.
1: So Volta is... It's a Latin word for, you know, a change in direction.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: As you both think about what you've been able to accomplish both together and just um, even separately over your careers in the restaurant industry, what's been the most rewarding thing about what you've been able to do and, and what you're bringing to San Francisco, too? Uh,
2: we When we opened Perbaco, um, we knew that... The location was great, and we were going to be s- uh, successful as a restaurant uh, i don 't think we ever knew that uh, the restaurant was going to get this many accolades and, and recognitions, not just locally but uh, elsewhere in, in Europe as well. I, I remember um, when the Financial Times from London came up unbe- unbeknown to know to, to us because we didn 't know. The this gentleman came in and he wrote uh, the most wonderful review about us and people c- from Europe, from London, travelers would come in with a pink newspaper uh, uh, with a review in hand. So th- that to me has been extremely rewarding, both for Barbaco and Barbaco and now at this infant stage of Volta, a month old, and uh, it's already starting to get there as well. Um, obviously it takes work, it doesn't happen by itself, and that's one thing that we tell each other all the time. You know, we can't live on our laurel, you know, because the minute that they write about us, the now is now risen higher, and we get to get there. We had to get there. So uh, that to me has been definitely the, the hard work that we put into it, uh, the hours that we work every day, and still at this point, we work six days a week, actually now seven because we're here. Otherwise, uh, both him and I, um, being recognized, it is fun.
1: I think that, yeah, the most rewarding things for me, one one is to be able to work with somebody very professional like Umberto and have the like-mindedness of what we want to achieve. Sometimes uh, our ways of, of reaching the same goal are different, but, but we, we never veer from our standards. Having staff that has that is working with us currently and in all the restaurants that that are really making this happen and also seeing you know former staff members being successful in in what they're doing today that you actually been able to maybe further somebody's career i think that is probably one of the most rewarding things that there there's a lot of challenges along the way and and there's a lot of I don't want to call it sacrifice, because that, that, that sounds a little bit weepy, but, uh, you know, th- th- there's a lot of things you have to give up, truly, to uh, to become successful, and uh, it doesn't happen by itself. Like, it,
0: like what? It takes
1: a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, it takes uh, a lot of giving up other things that what I call normal people, because <laughs> the restaurant business is not normal. Uh, we, w- we work in, uh, our, our job is, is to be in the middle of people's social life. And, uh, and that in itself is not normal. Mo- most people work and then they have a social life. Our job is in people's social life. Mm-hmm. Uh, our job is to make people happy. And that's an incredible challenge because there's no recipe for happiness it changes with every person that walks in the door and uh, and you have to be able to read people, you have to be able to think about what goes on the plate and what is going to make somebody happy and uh, I think overall the the reception of what we've done in the past 10 years have been incredible and people have been very supportive of what we do uh, and fortunately Far and few in between, the the unhappy moments, but they're, they're there. But uh, I think that is the challenging part of of running running a business is is that you do have to immerse yourself. I I myself feel lucky that this is what I do because you know some some people always say, well, you know, it's sad when a job defines you. I, I would. Argue that to the day's end uh, I'm very happy that this defines what I do that this is my life because you know when I go home at night I feel a sense of accomplishment and uh, I'm always happy to go back to work no matter how hard it is you know right now both Umberto and I and our management team we, we get up early in the morning and and get home late at night and you get a few hours of sleep Uh no matter how hard it is and how much you want to sleep in an extra hour, you you know, you have